This is Let's Talk Business with your host, Mark Ebinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that highlights and promotes entrepreneurs to learn more about their vision, goals, and marketing strategy. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about hitting the easy button to make sure your business financials are in order. One of my favorite topics. I don't like getting stressed out over financials. We're also going to talk about how property taxes are impacting small retail businesses. I'm not sure if that's just San Antonio, but it sure feels like it's just San Antonio sometimes. Uh, but we've got an expert in studio. We're going to talk about that. In studio with us today is Imad Gurgis, an expert bookkeeper and the owner of Simply Bookkeeping. Imad, welcome back to the show. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. You bet. It's always a pleasure, sir. Appreciate it. Also in studio with us today is Bethany Babcock, a retail commercial real estate expert and the founder, managing broker of Foresight Commercial Real Estate. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, first time I saw you speak, I mean, she's a consummate professional and you know your stuff. So Thank I'm you. excited to learn about the commercial real estate. What's going on with all this stuff with the taxes? Seems like the homeowners are getting breaks. Right, we got a hundred thousand dollar what uh, tax credit or whatever they call it, and uh, what do they call that anyway? What is the? I'm not quite sure because I don't follow the residential side, oh but there gosh. wasn't much for the commercials side at all. Well, I know it was like it, it takes it off the total of your home when they figure out your taxes, but uh, well, that was there a nice was like an actual name for it. It was just we had too much money left right. over, so take some of it back, kind yeah. of thing. That's not something the government normally says. Oh, I got too much money. Well, let's just give it back. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. I'm your host, Mark Eminger, the owner of Krukus Virtual Staffing, a company that specializes in hiring virtual assistants from outside the United States. And I am your co-host, Heather Baim, a certified business coach and trainer who focuses on driving clarity so that you have the confidence in which actions are going to give you the most traction in your business. A quick reminder to follow the Let's Talk Business podcast. By visiting our website at satalkradio.com. We are, of course, on every pot major podcast platform and all over social media, including YouTube, even as a podcast. Um, so if you're interested in following us there, just go to satalkradio.com and hit the easy button by following us there. We're kind of a big deal. I like that. <clears throat> so um, we had a podcast mixer recently. Imad, mm -hmm. you were a gold sponsor over there. So, I mean, you actually shelled out a, a fair amount of cash to support it. We thank you very much for that. Absolutely. Mark. Um, he, he jumped right on it. Uh, so I appreciate that. And of course it was a huge success. We're going to be giving uh, $1,790 to crit, uh, which was 100% of our ticket sales. We sold 179 tickets to it awesome. uh, made possible by uh, in part by your efforts. So we do, really do appreciate it, but give me your feedback on the event. What did you think? Did you get some business contacts out of it? How'd it go for you? Yeah. The event itself was amazing. A lot of great business partners were there. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs as well, which is what you want in a business mixer. Right. But was what was really nice was there was a lot of current clients that we already had there along with potential new opportunities. So seeing both sides of the spectrum is great because then current clients talk to new potential customers and they kind of collaborate and that really kind of leveraged us to promote what we do in, in our community as well. So it was, it was a great success for us and um, just sharing what we know and how we can help people specifically with their businesses on the financial side was, uh, was a, pretty big success as well. So yeah, I saw your great. list of folks. You had contacts there, so yeah. you're definitely doing some business. So great job being on point there, too. You were ready to do some business at your booth. Hey, be prepared, right? <laughs> that's right. It's the name of the game. What did you think of the event, Heather? Well, I thought it was good. I think, you know, that's the thing. People think of Networking Mixer as a place to just go and meet new contacts. But running into contacts and people that you already know is a great way to 
deepen the relationship a little bit and show your value without sitting down for an hour long one-on-one meeting, which especially in the financial services sector, now is not a good time for that. (laughs) It's a very busy time of year for you guys, Mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, excellent. So, I mean, the goal of the of it was like me. I was working it hard out there trying to connect people to people because I felt like if you're going to spend, you know, it was just ten bucks, wasn't a whole lot, but you know, if you're going to spend your time coming there, you should come away with something of value. Right. And and a lot of times, people may be more introverted or shy. So I, I was doing the best I could to not necessarily allow for that, making sure that the wallflowers got connected to somebody else so that they could actually feel like they got some value yeah. out of time. So it and was a lot of fun. Props to you, too, because you did a fantastic job of that, too. You jumped from group to group and made sure that you highlighted on everyone's high points. So you did a really good job as a host as well, spe- especially at that event. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate I appreciate it. that. And I think that's the thing. Everybody has somehow at least a second degree connection to the show and to like one of the people on it. So even if you didn't know anybody at that event, you were with someone generally that knew a lot of people. So it was a good place to come in as a new perspective and get introduced to people. Yeah, we're going to be expanding that a little bit on the next one. We're looking to do a panel. Okay. Uh, beforehand, um, and then we'll go right into the mixer afterwards, uh, all for the same $10 price, I think, is where we're going to be at for that. So Perfect. Uh, we just have to find a venue, and, of course, Samantha Guajardo, she's going to be running point on making sure that all of the, the details of the event get done. So oh, perfect. super excited about that. <clears throat> and, of course, I'll be hitting you up again to be a sponsor. So <laughs> you can always... I'll be here. Yeah, you will. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so, Imad, uh, financials, they're a lot of fun for you. Yeah, I, you know, you love it. Your big old smile whenever oh, it comes. Yeah. But so business owners like myself, we if we're not careful, of course, you're my bookkeeper, so this doesn't really happen. But business owners can really neglect their bookkeeping until right. what January, February, March, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. So if people have been doing that, how does simply bookkeeping come in and help them repair that or get ready for you know the tax man? Fantastic question. So Mark, we've got a whole year to get these finances on track, right? And so our methodology is we do everything on a monthly basis, part due because we don't want this scenario to happen where people freak out at the end of the year and then everything's due all at once. So we take care of all the transactions, we make sure all the reconciliations, make sure that everything's kept up on track on a monthly basis, not only for the sole purpose of being able to pass over all those reports to the CPA at the end of the year to get that done, but the other side is so the business owner can actually benefit from those reports and financials to better understand how their financial health on their business is standing for that current month. So typically we get those reports sent out by the 10th day of the following month. So you'll see how you've done previously on that previous month to see, okay, am I keeping up with my goals? Have I have I reached uh, what I've set uh, the business goals to be for that month? And that way it helps them keep track and at least be aware of what's going on, especially in the business. So I feel like that's best case scenario. Once they've got you on, you are updating monthly and then like life becomes easier. That's one of the first things I try to talk people into, Mark, you know, is even before CPA, it's like bookkeeper, though, because right. just being able to keep track of those numbers. But this is the time of year where I tend to run into business owners where it's like panic mode. Now they're looking for a CPA. Now they're freaking out. So I think I have two questions. Okay. When is it too late mm-hmm. for this year's tax season 
to hire a bookkeeper because it's a lot sometimes when you have to go three years back and organize people's books. So let's start there. Sure. And then I have a follow-up question That's to that. That's a fantastic question, Heather. Thank you. So regardless, it's never too late to hire a bookkeeper to get the taxes done because you you still have to get the bookkeeping done mm -hmm. to be able to file the taxes. So if you pass it off, off to us, then we can get our part done faster and more efficiently, pass it over to the CPA so they can do their part. Now, if you pass it directly over just to the CPA right off the bat, then it's going to not only take them a longer time to get the books done to prepare the taxes, but it will also cost you significantly more as well because most CPA firms are going to have a higher rate than a bookkeeper. So it's kind of a win-win to be able to go to a bookkeeper first to get the books done and then pass it over to the CPA. That's kind of the mighty combo there that you get um, tackling that specific project. Okay. So like triage for this would be like partnering with you and do you partner with CPAs that you're like, hey, file their extension so that we can get this stuff done and not have the IRS down our backs? Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly what we do. And we, we partner with several CPAs. Uh, we always try to match our CPAs energy with our specific client or their industry, if they're industry specific with that particular CPA, so that it's a good combination as well. And it's a good match so that it's a smooth flowing process. Because for us, the main goal is to always alleviate the most stress off of the business owner's shoulders. And so how we do that is to make sure that everything in the financial circle is as seamless and smooth as possible. All right. And so you talk about a team, a financial team yes. that a business should have. What's that? What are the components of that team? So I would say, depending, of course, on the size of the business, but you should always at least have a bookkeeper. Um, if you're big enough to have payroll, then maybe a payroll service and provider as well. And then at least a CPA, an EA, or a tax specialist. What's an EA? Uh, an EA is going to be an enrolled agent. So uh, they can also file and prepare taxes, but they mainly negotiate with the IRS. So if you've gotten in trouble in the past with the IRS, maybe uh, have an EA on your team as well. All right, cool. Not a bad idea. All right, so uh, someone like myself might think, well, you know what? I'll just have my wife do the bookkeeping. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't like the numbers, right? But, you know, my wife and I, we've been married 35 years, and we know what each other likes and doesn't like, and she'll want to keep track of books and stuff like that. So, and she has difficulty letting go there. But what, so what are the pitfalls of DIYing your own bookkeeping? What do you see in the industry? Well, I mean, I'm sure you enjoy your marriage, but you don't <laughs> like accounting. So I would... Keep with your marriage and delegate out the accounting so you're not bringing unneeded stress into the family circle. So I have a thing. I feel like when it comes to business, a lot of business owners, you know, you're a business owner, you're running this thing, and from the outside, it looks great, right? They're running a successful business, but behind closed doors, especially if you start talking to people who own businesses, very few business owners have it all together. There's always something that they feel like they should be doing, but they're not. I run into that a lot as a business coach. And money has so much emotion tied to it, so much shame, so much like mm -hmm. neglect almost because people just don't want to acknowledge issues, problems. And it's like if we don't talk about it, we don't look at it, it doesn't exist. So what do you guys do to help overcome that with your clients? Have you run into that before or are you generally getting people who are like, 
here you go, just do it. Yeah, so so I'm going to ask for a little more clarification on yeah. the question, but um, particularly in what sense are you referring to with with like problems and stress? Because there's tons of problems and stress, mm-hmm. but have what you type ever encountered someone who is hesitant to hire you guys because they're kind of embarrassed about their financial situation and having you go through it is going to basically like expose that situation that they do yes. need exposed to fix, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of shame tied to it. Fantastic question. How we actually go about that is I actually call out the flaws knowing that they're most likely already encountering them before they open up so that they know, hey, this is a common problem. Oh. So it's not necessarily so embarrassing for them to say it because I've mentioned it. They know that we handle this. We can resolve it. So now they're okay with it. So you're teeing it up. Well, commonly we see oh. where people are lying to themselves about how much money they have <laughs> in their account. <laughs> so if it pops up, don't worry about it. It's all good, right? right. So I'm making a joke there, but it's like you kind of like ease them into that. Hey, exactly. this is what we see. So they feel less shame, and then they're like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, co- common one is like you were saying earlier, maybe sometimes there's a person who hasn't filed taxes in three or more years, mm-hmm. so they're embar- embarrassed of saying that. But we'll let them know, hey, you know, we can go back on your finances a couple years, sometimes two, three, four, maybe knowing that they are a few years behind, and it's okay. Just so we can get you caught up and on track, that's all right. You know, we can do that. We'll work together on it. And so then they feel, okay, I'm, I'm a little more comfortable. That that feels like it's a good plan, and we can we can set forth with it. So when you prepare, I know you, you're very in touch with your clients when it comes to making sure that they understand P&L, ARAP kind of stuff, right? So walk us through that. So as far as you're going to make sure that your client has what so they can understand their finances? So we... We always provide the basics, and the basics is your profit and loss, so understanding how the business did for that month. We do provide the balance sheet just so that they can see where their assets and liabilities stand for their business, so what they owe and what they own. We also, for some of the larger folks where they work with projects specifically within their business, maybe large construction firms, architect firms, engineering firms, they tend to have larger projects. And so we provide a PNL on each project to let them know how that specific project is doing and the status of that project. That way they can see how much money left they have within that project, how much time and money is actually invested within that project. Typically, also on those larger clients, you would have payroll, and so you would, we can also have the time uh, invested within projects included as well. So they can see the whole picture of things. So P&Ls can get pretty intricate, but they can also really help you out if you have it laid out pretty uh, detailed. What about accounts receivable and payable? That's part of it too. So uh, accounts receivable, it's always important to know, okay, how much money they have that's owed to them. And then accounts payable will also let them know, okay, what they have to pay out so they can leverage a little bit and see, okay, is the money coming in more than what's going out or is what's going out more than what's coming in? That's kind of... And you provide that. Absolutely. Oh, someone walked up to us. We were talking at the networking mixer and they walked up and they were like, Imad, <laughs> we got our accounts receivable taken care of. We're doing it. Yep. They'd obviously just come off a conversation where he was like, you need to... Got to get it fixed. Jump yeah. on that. And they mm-hmm. did. And so they seemed really happy. I mean, very few people have a smile on their face when they're talking about 
counts okay. receivable. Yep, yep. Not in my world, at least. So. Well, and where you excel, Imad, is your likability factor, your ability to communicate well. You're very personable um, and non-judgmental. So it's easy for people to want to bring you into their circle to help get that stuff done. So, I mean, that's what everybody says about Imad. You're very oh, likable. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. We- Mark's just filling out your business tender profile. Like. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I would say that that also comes from the whole team. You know, the whole team's energy that works, you know, along with myself as well. We all bring the same energy. We all approach every task the same way. That's because of you. You start that. Yeah. You set the pace for everybody else. Yep. Yep. Trying to cool. trying to build the uh, uh, the community. Yeah. Yeah. For, culture. For the team. It's the all culture. culture, baby. All right, so if folks want to get in touch with you, Iman, how do they do that? Absolutely. So they can uh, check out our website at www.simplybookkeeping.com. That's simply with an I, not a Y. Or they can actually call me directly at 832-518-9368. Again, that's 832-518-9368. You just give out your cell number, did you? Well, I like to be personal. <laughs> The power Thanks, move to just I'm drop glad you know it directly. Yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate again, that. Mark. All right, next up on the show is Bethany Babcock, a retail commercial real estate expert and the founder managing broker of Foresight Commercial Real Estate. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, as far as commercial real estate goes? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. I've worked in it now 20 years. I got to do start got my start in property management while I was still in college. And then I went into investment sales, which is just focusing on you know the income-producing properties and selling those. Did that for about um, five years at a public firm. And then started my own firm in 2014, and we're a full-service firm. So we have a group that dedicates themselves to just the sales side of the business. We have a group that dedicates just to the leasing and the tenant rep side. And then we have a full-service property management firm uh, that manages about 85 properties here in San Antonio Shopping Centers primarily. And so Foresight is one of the number one best places to work from the San Antonio Business Journal two times in a row. Why do you think that is? Well, I th- honestly, I think if you, you know, it's hard for a small firm like mine to compete when it comes to benefits and all these other things. And we try to be as generous as possible. But I think where it really shines is people just want to enjoy working with their coworkers. And we have such fun people. And I think so. I really, this isn't just me saying this, like really the people that we work together, it just makes it a fun place to work. We enjoy our coworkers. We enjoy each other and we enjoy spending time together. And so this is something that the employees themselves vote for. And they um, submit their information anonymously. I don't get to see it. And then <laughs> they're ranked up against all of the other businesses. And really, from what I see, it comes down to just the culture and the environment. Real quick, running the risk of pulling us off track, but you okay. walked in here, saw the hexagons, and was like, we need this because we have a kid's room in the office, and it gets a little loud. Tell us a little bit about that, because as a mom working Childcare is one of the biggest pain points in running a business or working in general. It is. And I do think that that kind of creates the environment and the culture that we have. Um, we have a pretty young team, even though we've got a really experienced group. So it's very um, simultaneously, we have a, a more senior and, and experienced <laughs> staff. And then we have a lot of young parents. Mm-hmm. And the business started because I needed to figure out my own problems <laughs> when it came to managing family and business. And uh, my kids were always in the office with me. And as the company grew, other employees were bringing their kids in the office. They get out of school. You need to do a meeting. Where do you take them? Or frequent holidays, like we were talking about before the show, and just random teacher days. Like, where do the kids go? So we created a dedicated space in our office and put a bunch of games and crafts and snacks and video games and 
all sorts of fun things for them to play with and have fun. And so, yeah, it gets a little rowdy. So I really do like the soundproofing <laughs> in here. And I took some pictures. I'm going to do some research. But we really enjoy having the kids around. And it creates a different environment than most other commercial real estate firms. No, I think that's huge. And just the consideration, I'm sure, goes a long way for your staff, too, because it's one of those things where you pull away and it's almost like you have to apologize for having a family. Yeah, we don't ever want that to be the case. But I also think it's really fun because it goes right back into the best places to work. And it's not really Mm -hmm. because we allow kids, in my opinion. It could be. I think it's because we hire people. We want our kids around. So... That's part of the hiring process. It's that litmus test of, is this someone I want my kids standing around? Like, is this someone that I want my kid to grow up to be like? Right? Is this someone that I want my kid to admire? And if you don't feel right about that, then it's not a good team member. So as a result, you end up with a really unique and awesome team. It's a huge cultural litmus test. I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I took us on a sidetrack, but I think that's huge. And a lot of people can learn from that. Hint. So with respect to uh, property taxes uh, for retail businesses, what is going on there? Oh, man, this is a hot topic for me um, because we're dealing with this, right? Both when we're representing tenants and also when we're managing properties. There are no winners in this scenario. You mentioned before at the start of the show there was a lot of things in place for residential, right? A little bit on the commercial side, but you're limited to things that are under $3 million, which isn't most shopping centers. Hmm. And there's very little relief in place for commercial, and they attacked hard. This is a Texas-wide problem, but it really affected us in Bear County and Comal County. And they went aggressive. We're seeing valuations double. And so a lot of these properties just shot up in value. And what's interesting about it and why it's so important for the retail environment is because of the way retail leases are structured. We have triple net leases, which mean it's a lower rent, and tenants exchange lower rent and long-term leases in exchange for paying actual costs, similar to how you have do a house payment, mm-hmm. right? You have that escrow amount. We call that triple nets. And so they estimate what their property taxes are going to be and the insurance and all of that associated with the property. They pay their base rent. And at the end of the year, when these property taxes shoot up, all of a sudden they're getting these huge bills when it's reconciled in January and February. And it's a shock to everyone. It's a shock Mm -hmm. to the property manager that has to deliver the bad news. It's a shock to everyone. And even though we'll protest the taxes and we go through all of that, there's very little relief in sight. And we're not talking a small amount. There are tenants out there that are paying more in property taxes than they are in rent. So this can take down a business. And some of these bills they're getting are more than some business owners have been paying themselves all year. And so there's very little relief in, in sight for them because I think part of it is a perception problem that they view this as the rich developer problem. Mm. And really, it is not. It is a small business problem in a really big and tangible way. And we are seeing that right now with restaurant closures left and right. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why. We had a guest on here a few months ago, and he owns a restaurant um, downtown. And his property tax went up like 8,000% or something yes. like that. It was wild. And he's he's looking at his options now, but he's very passionate. And the hard part is, is there really any action to be taken? No, I mean, you got to protest the taxes, of course, and there can be some relief there. Um, but the way our taxes are set up with it being a non-disclosure state, everyone's just kind of blindly going around and navigating that. And uh, there's very little they can do when the property trades, especially, because then some of that information might be revealed to the appraisal district, either through marketing materials that slip to them mm-hmm. or maybe someone talked about it that shouldn't have. And so if that number gets the appraisal district, then it is valued at market value, but our tax rate is still too high. And so those small businesses are the ones that bear the burden of that. And I think it's important to note, too, because if you look at property taxes, a lot of people are like, well, why doesn't that just get eaten up by the owner of the shopping center? Why don't they just absorb it? And in some cases, they try. 
-hmm. but they can't because they weren't structured that way, right? These deals were never structured that way. That is why they did these triple net leases with the low base rent plus triple net. Otherwise, they would do like apartments and just do one-year leases so that they could accommodate for rising increase. Um, and business owners don't want that because they're spending a lot of money finishing out these spaces into restaurants, right? So they mm -hmm. exchange a longer lease term in exchange for lower rent plus actual costs. And that's kind of the compromise the industry has made and how those things are structured so it can't be un easily undone. So do you see the industry shifting in the way it writes leases in the future? No, if anything, more so, right? Mm. Because banks are not willing to typically write loans on properties that don't have those triple net lease structures uh, because it exposes them to risk. Because what happens is if you have your property taxes shoot up and can't get reimbursement from it, a tenant can increase their prices. A landlord can't increase the rent because they're under obligation for that mm -hmm. long-term lease, which would then make the property start to lose money and expose the, 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 uh, the bank to risk. risk. So what is a conversation with an upcoming tenant who's got their business going and, and they're getting ready to have their first location look like right now? It's a really good question because, one, they need to make sure they're working with a commercial broker. I don't care if it's me. They need, yeah. to, be, they need to be using a commercial broker. And by that, I mean ask, has anyone, have you or anyone at your firm ever sold a house? It's the wrong firm. <laughs> this is yeah. not a commercial. They, these are two different complete industries. There is nothing in common with them. Um, and so it's really important that they work with a commercial broker that will look at the locations for them and then pull up their appraised value on the taxes. And if they have a good understanding where valuations are, they'll understand if that property is undervalued. So the triple nets, they're mm -hmm. paying whether or not they're realistic or if there's a chance that at some point in the future that that property might get reassessed and then jump up. Okay. Um, but then that broker would need to have a good understanding of valuations, which some leasing brokers do and some don't. So it just depends. Yeah, that's that's difficult because if you can fight it well, great. But I saw some commercial properties go from like four million to six million Not just in the common. appraised value over the last couple of years. Just looking around on Bearcat, it's crazy. We had some literally double. Wow. And I mean, these are these are. I think it's really important for people to understand. These are not, you know, the stereotypical investors that people think that are owning that are suffering. These are. This is the lady that cuts your hair. Mm -hmm. This is the guy who's making the sandwiches. This is, uh, you know, these are the, these are the heart and soul of San Antonio. Yeah, and it comes down to politics at the end of the day. It sounds like, unfortunately, yeah, and it's it's a group that doesn't necessarily have the time to fight it because this is a group that is busy. I mean, we all know as business owners, mm. you're wearing a lot of hats and you have to choose your battles. They're facing recovering from COVID. They're facing trying to hire people. They're trying to face bookkeeping. They're yeah. trying to face all these different battles, rising food costs. And then all of a sudden they get this. Like, which battle do you fight today? Mm -hmm. so the one with the biggest dollar amount tied to it usually, right? It usually is, yeah. And which one is most pressing and which one's most likely, <laughs> right? And I think that's where a lot of them just get discouraged on the property tax side. So you guys over at Foresight have a training program, right? You're constantly training new commercial or training on the commercial real estate side. Tell me a little bit about your program. Yeah, the reason why we did that was just because if you look at the average age in our industry, it's, it's getting up there. With all due respect to the industry and those that have established where we all are today, um, if you look, I saw a statistic one time that said the average commercial real estate broker was over the age of 60. So if you see that, we have a problem because there is a tremendous amount of wealth and value that that industry has that we're not capturing and sharing to the next generation. Because we don't have a formal licensure process that is any different mm -hmm. from residential, mm -hmm. there's no way to tr take that knowledge and share it with the next up-and-coming group. So typically, if someone wants to get involved in the industry, they're usually done, uh, do so through family connections or friends or someone that will guide them through and mentor them one-on-one, -on -one, which is still the best way. 
But if someone doesn't have access to that kind of a mentor to help them navigate the industry, uh, the failure rate is extremely high, and most don't make it past one or two years. So we're trying to change that through this training program that we do each summer to just open up the industry to anyone that has um, the smarts and the tenacity to make it through so that we can attract the best and brightest, not just those who have the, uh, the financial wherewithal to, to give it a go. How do they get into the program? I mean, do they just apply? Do they call you? And then is there a process? And then what's the actual training look and feel like? They apply. Uh, we limit it to 30 per year just because of time, right? We're a small group, and this is not a profit venture for us. Um, we try to get scholarships for most of the students so that this is not a financial burden on, on them. Um, and then they apply. Typically, we'll accept less than half just because we need to limit it around 30. And, but we do have multiple campuses. So we've got San Antonio, Austin. We're probably going to have Atlanta this year as well. And then um, we have an online-only cohort as well. But those ones we don't get scholarships for. And it's a 10-week program. They have two in-person classes per week with developers from San Antonio, uh, attorneys discussing all of their specialties. Um, no sales pitch at all. It is 100% um, technical training. There's no, it's not sales training at all. It's all about um, terminology and processes. And we take them over the course of 10 weeks. In addition to the in-person classes, they do a cohort of online pro classes that we wrote and produced ourselves. And there's about 20 of them with quizzes and assignments that they have to turn in, research projects. And then we pair them up with a mentor. And so over the course of those 10 weeks, our goal is to take them from understanding terminology through lease abstract all the way down to evaluating and defending the valuation of a shopping center. Now, this could include competitors, too. Why are you training them? You know, that's a good question. We get asked that one a lot because we're all going to play in the same sandbox, right? At some point, they're going to be on the other side of the negotiation table, and a better trained industry is better for all of us. Okay. Love it. And you focus primarily on training for that retail space. No, we've opened it up. So we also have a multifamily class. We have had uh, industrial and office as well. But being a mostly retail firm, mm -hmm. it does come out a lot in the curriculum. But no, we do have other product types. And every year we try to expand on those other product types more and more. And it's not just agents. We train property managers, future property accountants, anybody that's interested in the industry. They come out of this program, they're not immediately going to be able to go get a, a job. But this is going to be able to get them the next step in that interview process to be able to tell them what direction they might want to head and give them enough information and enough contacts and people that they know to continue their journey. So you're not placing your students on this? No, but it's happened organically. It hasn't been the intent, but it does happen. We do get recruiters reach out, and they say, I'm looking for this or that. Do you have anybody in your class? And we'll say, yes, we do, and we'll make recommendations. So it's happened very organically, but that's not been the design of the program. Okay, one last question because I know we're running low on time. But um, I cut my teeth in the residential world, not commercial at all, because those are like you said, two extremely different ball games. Um, but I know for residentials, generally, like get your license, you basically learn nothing. You just learn the laws, and then you have to go cut your teeth and learn. And residential, if you're doing it full time, focused on it, learning, it's like a six month runway to really like starve and have to save up. What does that generally look like in the commercial world? Yeah, on the commercial side, now picture that, except all the classes you took were residential classes. Yep. So <laughs> all the laws that you learned had to do with, you know, uh, how to show an, a house. Like, none of these things have anything to do with what we how actually do How to calculate an acre. Yeah, none of these <laughs> things actually play into our day-to-day -day work mm -hmm. at all. Um, so, typically, you're going to need a mentor. You're going to need someone to kind of walk you through it. 
I say that they really, if on the agent side, there's so many different career paths in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always tell people. It's like, don't narrow it down to just being an agent. There's so many different things. But on the agent side, on the leasing side, they really need to give themselves a year at least. On the investment sales side, I say a couple of years to really see if it was the right fit. And they can do it sooner than that. But that's when you really start to see the fruits of your labor. Do you think now is a good time to get involved in commercial real estate? On the leasing side, it's still a really strong market because nothing is getting developed or very little is getting developed, especially in San Antonio because of the way financing is working and the way construction costs are. So it is still a really strong leasing market, um, and you can do really well on leasing. We had our best year yet last year. The sales is a little bit tougher with this environment, but it really doesn't matter because you have to look at it on a really long-term scale, and you need to look at it on a long-term perspective. Sorry, and really the way the condition of the market is today is almost irrelevant because you're going to be learning skills in meetings and and you're going to be going on meetings with your mentor and you're going to be learning about the different aspects of the industry and you're not going to be doing a whole lot of deals for a little while anyway so starting while things are in flux is actually a great time because you get to talk about a more varied group of topics it's mm -hmm. a little bit slower and more people have time for meetings and you get to spend a little bit more time and thought into the way the economy works and general economic impact on the different properties that you're underwriting. Except if you're not making deals, you're not getting paid. Correct. Yeah. So you better be, be doing difficult. something else in between? You know, we don't usually recommend that. So it, it can be a very difficult path for people to make. It's a jump straight into investment sales. It really is very difficult. One of the things we're trying to change about the program is just to try to open it up to more people. Because typically, that's why I said it wasn't the best and brightest. Uh, it was whoever had the cash. Now, you've got quite a skill set when it comes to commercial real estate. Right, you know the industry in and out. Twenty years. Are you investing in commercial real estate? Have you done this as part of your career path? Yeah, I have, but it's not my time and focus. Right. So the third party aspect of it has been my focus. Really, the team building and the training has been my focus. Um, and honestly, when you're doing it for clients, it's kind of hard to stop and do it for yourself and take off the hat of let me find a property for myself. It's just a, it's just a different world and I don't always switch those hats and I probably should and I'll probably regret that in several years that I don't do that more um, but it's just been it's very difficult to to walk that line would you invest in retail or would you be looking in a different commercial form if you were investing I do it in retail because that's what I know yeah right and I'm able to evaluate those risks and uh, really understand it better than the other product types. so I would stay within my own product type and I have. I just don't do it at the scale that I probably should. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was going to be getting involved with the commercial real estate and they were thinking about getting into the retail space, what would be your advice for them? I'd say apply to the program, right, and, and try to get into the, the training program because that group will connect you to as many people as we can. We'll connect you to several different firms and different people and try to build those relationships and skill set. Um, but also I would say ask a lot of questions and go and talk to lots of different people in different roles. You might find out that you're really um, passionate about a part of the industry that you didn't even know existed. And I think that's one thing that's very unique in commercial real estate. It's usually very specialized. You have people who focus on restaurant leasing of a shopping center, or for um, restaurant leasing, or you have landlord leasing of, for shopping centers, or you'll have someone that does office building sales, right? So usually everyone focuses in on their niche. You might find something really unique that you didn't even know existed in the industry. It might not even be on the brokerage side at all. So I think talking to as many people as possible and asking about their day-to-day -day and how happy they are is one thing. And the other is understand who the clients are that you'll be working with in each of those product types or, or specialties because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Do you enjoy their personalities? <laughs> Do you like spending time with them? Is your personality fit a good fit for that product type? I think those are important questions. 
No, I love that. All right. Well, thanks, Bethany. It was a great chat. If folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Twitter. They can also find me on um, ForesightCRE.com, and that's Foresight with sight as in sight selection, uh, not vision. So ForesightCRE.com. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, great job. All right. As we wrap up the show, a quick reminder, check out our latest podcast by visiting our website at SATalkRadio.com. You can also access all of our social media from there. Great job, everybody. Uh, I guess we'll see you on the next one next week. Thanks Catch again. Thanks, guys. Flip All right.